Okay, well, I think I'm ready to explain to you now why this movie ruined cinema. <laughs> okay, go for it. Okay. I think this is one of the first movies that relies so heavily on callbacks for comedic moments. And that has gone on to be a Spielberg... Um, uh, a common Spielberg trope that because it was used so successfully has been parroted now to the point where it's destroying cinema. Um, and I think uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of examples but if we just go from the very beginning uh, we have River Phoenix's Indiana Jones and um, we see the, they're on like a scout patrol or something like that and we zoom, um, we don't know this Indiana Jones yet. They're looking down on some, on evil Indiana Jones. But we don't know who this character is. So it zooms in, we see the hat, we see the jacket, and we as the audience are supposed to assume that this is Indiana Jones. But then he pulls the hat up, we realise it's not him, and then the fat kid goes, Indiana, Indiana, telling us that the guy we thought was Indiana Jones isn't, and this teenage boy is Indiana Jones, Right? That's a that's a great reveal based entirely on your pre-existing knowledge of Indiana Jones. Right? You yes. have to know who Indiana Jones is going into this for to have that initial assumption that that guy with the hat is going to be Indiana Jones, right? That's fine on its own because this is the third movie, right? Like you you going into the third movie in a trilogy, you should probably know the title character. Then they're being, he, they're being, uh, he's being chased by evil Indiana Jones and they get onto the circus, uh, train. They have a whole pursuit and fight through the circus train. In quick succession, we get Indiana Jones falls into a, a carriage full of snakes, right? And he's covered in snakes. There's a giant snake. There's snakes in his clothes which is a reference to Raiders of the Lost Ark, where he says, hey, snakes, I hate snakes, right? Anything but snakes. And this is establishing, wink, wink, audience, this is where Indiana Jones' fear of snakes came from, right? Yeah, because yeah. right at the beginning when we first see him in the, the tomb, uh, the fat kid is afraid of a snake, and Indiana yes. picks just, it up and goes, it's just a snake, Yes, and, just, and throws it away. Yes. So yeah, definitely yeah. Then, it, happened, it happened then. Yes, then he goes into the lion's carriage of the train gets out the whip to yeah yeah keep the lion to whip the lion away and then accidentally whips harrison ford's chin scar onto his face yeah right thereby establishing you know that scar that indiana jones has on his face this is where it came from then in the next scene after that evil indiana jones gives him his hat and says now you can be just like me, thereby telling us where Indiana Jones got his hat. Then, later on in the movie, there's a bit where they're like, uh, let me find it now as I have the script open. They're in, it's when Elsa and Indy are, are in the catacombs looking at uh, different symbols carved into the wall. Elsa goes, what's this symbol? Indiana Jones goes, the Ark of the Covenant. Are you sure? Indiana Jones replies, pretty sure. Wink, wink, audience. The Ark of the Covenant was in the first movie. <laughs> right? And this film is fucking full to the brim 
of this stuff that is fine in this movie, but now you look at what J.J. Abrams is doing, and it is... I hate it. I hate it. I, I can't... I don't know if I need to say it again, but I hate it. Because this is the entire Star Wars Han Solo solo movie. Right? Without Ark of... Without this movie, you wouldn't have the bit where we go, did you know that Han Solo's name came from the fact that he was on his own and that Solo actually just means that he was Solo. Oh, did you know this is how he got his gun? Did you know this is how he met Chewbacca? Did you know this is how he got on the Millennium Falcon? Oh, look, we're in Star Wars The Force Awakens. And oh, look, there's the table. Oh, look, there's the table with the chess on it. And it's like... You're exasperated. I am, because I can't stand it. And it's such it's such a modern cinema trope. Again, it's a, a, largely championed by J.J. Abrams, who sees himself as, like, the successor to Spielberg. But he's learned all the wrong fucking lessons. And they do it again. The, I've only seen Kingdom of the Crystal Skull once in the cinema. And I, I've never watched it since. But there's that bit at the beginning of the movie where they're in the warehouse and they knock over the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know if you remember that in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Same here. I've only seen it. I haven't seen it since I saw it at the cinema. So you're you're refreshing my memory. Yeah, well, there's a chase scene in this big warehouse against the communists. And the communists are chasing them through the warehouse full of uh, artifacts. And they knock over one of the boxes and the Ark of the Covenant's in it. It's there for a split second. But it's a callback to a movie that was made 20 years ago, right? And it's supposed to be a cheeky wink to the audience, but it's fucking horrible. I I hate it. It, like, it... It doesn't benefit the movie in any way other than to distract you from the fact that you're watching a movie, right? Yeah. And, yeah, and that stuff works other than the Ark of the Covenant. Now, in, in this movie... I think it's done reasonably well because this has never been done in a film franchise before. I don't. I can't think of an example of this before, other than maybe a James Bond, but not even really in a James Bond. Right? It would be like, like they did it in Skyfall. They did the same thing where he gets the Aston Martin back, and it's like, oh look, it's the Aston Martin from when Sean Connery was James Bond. And again, it's like. At least they do something with that. He has, like, a cool chase, and the Aston Martin has guns, and, you know, like, fine and cool. But all it does is distract us from the story that we're in. And I, it's okay in this film because they haven't, they haven't realised that that's going to be the foundation of the next 20 years of popular movies yet. Is this, when can we start making these fourth wall breaking callbacks that tell us this is how Han Solo got his gun? This is when he first... Do you know he that, that one line in Star Wars where he says he won the Millennium Falcon from Lando in a card game? Well, let's show you the entire card game. Like... <laughs> remember that bit where they told you about the Kessel Run that one throwaway line well now we're going to show you the Kessel Run it's like yeah I do I definitely agree that the Han Solo movie was an entire like 90 minute or however long it was film of that and I another film that I saw at the cinema and haven't seen since I didn't enjoy much that's that's Ron Howard um, and uh, I think I'm not sure where he's picked this up from because he's kind of a, more of a contemporary of Spielberg 
Yeah. But um, I think you're right in that people like J.J. Abrams, uh, who have, um, you know, make uh, uh, quote unquote younger filmmakers now in the 21st century. I think this is symptomatic of the fact that these younger filmmakers grew up in the 80s and 70s and 80s watching movies by the likes of Spielberg. Um, and when they grew up, they are taking those tropes that they learned from their heroes mm. and are now and now littering their own movies with them. Because I'm trying to think if I could, I am, I can't think of many examples of what you're saying in the 90s. No. Um, it's, there was a kind of a, a bit of a uh, a lack of a franch of franchise movies in the nineties. In the seventies and eighties, you had Star Wars, you had Indiana Jones, and you jump forward to probably like the prequels, Star Wars prequels, and suddenly mm-hmm. trilogies are back, and then then you get you know Harry Potter and all these other huge franchises that bank on uh, audiences constantly coming back to revisit the same characters over and over. So, um, yeah, I I think you're right. Um, in that the new Star Wars films, as much as I do enjoy them, they blur the line between what is fan service mm-hmm. and just going, the fans will love to see all this stuff that they remember from the old movies and maybe we can drop in a little bit of backstory about where these things came from and just filling screen time and distracting mm-hmm. from the story. And maybe that's why films are two and a half hours now is because mm-hmm. they're all as there's a common complaint about modern Hollywood is they're all remakes or sequels or trilogies or whatever. And they all just hark back to stuff that we remember. It's like, and maybe it's also symptomatic of the fact that this is just how far we've come in, in blockbuster movies is that there are, there aren't that many more things that we can do with blockbuster hundred million dollar movies, um, than just remake the old ones. And I get that the, the, the MCU is kind of, thought hey superhero movies can become the new big thing that everyone copies which you know superhero movies had happened before but a much smaller scale and hadn't come back kind of ignited themselves in the way that you know um that they did and um, so maybe it'll be another 20 years before some other element of popular culture is grabbed onto by filmmakers or by hollywood and go on this could be the next big thing and then and now and then in 20 years will people will be harking back to us and it'll just mm. keep feeding feeding itself backwards so the people who grew up say young people who grew up watching um like harry potter or the hunger games or some big franchise now when they are adults making feature films maybe we'll be seeing those kind of tropes repeated and it'll just keep leapfrogging decades and decades into the future because the longer we go on the less originality there will be and it will all just be yeah hey do you remember this Mm. hey do you remember being a kid and this is what it was like now we're just doing it but with brighter colors and better technology and, and yeah. all sorts so yeah um I, I i agree it's it's not um not that hollywood's finest trope and no. uh you're right i don't find it annoying in last crusade though i think i i do like it but it feels well measured mm-hmm. and not frivolous and you know like, like you said it was kind of more of a new thing so spielberg might have <laughs> might have uh, pioneered it but that maybe he didn't imagine it would be so uh, ubiquitous in his uh, yeah, yeah when the next generations came along. Yeah, I think that's definitely true, and I think it's to the credit. I'll give two examples of things that I I would credit with this. Firstly, the first one would be the Star Wars prequels. The Star Wars prequels, as full of uh, mistakes, big mistakes as they are, 
such as Yoda having a lightsaber battle. They are not full of, hey, do you remember this from the old movies? Right? Like, uh, George Lucas is trying to do something new with the prequels. The Star Wars universe doesn't look like the old movies in the prequels. Right? He's, he's built a... a He's built a new vision of what those should be and a new vision of how he's going to tell these stories and this and this universe. And it doesn't work, right? He makes a lot of mistakes, but yeah. what, he, what he doesn't do is try and call back to the things that he's done before. He's trying to build up to the things that he's done before, right? Not reference it. When Anakin becomes Darth Vader in the Star Wars prequels, it's not to reference, oh, do you remember Darth Vader? It's because this is where it had to end up, right? Whereas the Star Wars sequels are all, hey, do you remember that thing? Do you remember that thing? Do you remember that? Do you remember the Death Star? Because there's a bigger one. Um, do you remember the Emperor? Because he's back now. I don't know if you if you know that, but he's back. And... That's a big problem. I think an, an, an example where something like this is done well, and I know I just referenced the Star Wars prequels, and I'm about to say Zack Snyder's Batman v Superman, and you know how I feel about that movie. Not, yes. Not positively. Yes, I'm not positively. Yeah, not positively. But the, the good example of doing this correctly is when... Uh, Batman is in uh, he's in the Batcave and he sees um, Robin's sprayed paint a covered costume where it's like ha 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 Batman I got you love from the Joker Um, sprayed paint (laughs) over Robin's costume right that is the reference to the fact that at some point Batman had Robin right and that Robin was killed by the Joker right even though we don't see Robin, Robin is never mentioned. The Joker is not seen or mentioned in this movie either, right? But what that is, is it's a fourth wall breaking moment because it assumes that the audience knows who Robin is and knows who the Joker is and can put those two together to make this assumption, oh, well, the Joker must have killed Robin, right? But what that does is builds up this character of Batman so that when he is dark and tortured and extra violent and full of hate, we understand that it's because his life has been shit and that Robin was murdered and then Superman tore down Metropolis and his company was destroyed and blah, 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 blah. Like, that is actually a character-building moment that um, Indiana Jones whipping himself in the face... uh, doesn't do anything other than establish this is how he got a scar, right? Um, yeah, and it's but they spend a couple of seconds on it instead of an entire. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So that is like that's one way that it, it could be done positively, and I'll get that. That is something I'll give to Zack Snyder, but that's it. That's that's, that's, it, that's, that's the only accomplishment I'm giving you. Yeah. Good rant. Good rant. Thank you very much. <laughs>